Welcome back to the IDW Sonic Rundown. We are here for another fun set of comics. And guys, this is big. We've had a lot of hype talk about one particular issue. Yes, the 900th Adventure Special. No, we're not going to be covering that first. We're not going to go insane like that because we have two, count them, three in total other comics to talk about. we got our main issue, IDW 64, and the Amy 30th Anniversary Special. So, before we really dive into it, Aaron, what is a general gist can we give to open this? I have been lax with IDW, and that's because I've enjoyed most of their comics. But I have some problems with these comics, and I I don't really like some of these me and alberto have a lot to say about the 900th adventure special don't you worry Mm -hmm. um maybe is it misplaced expectations you could argue that but i also feel like there is a bit of a disservice done here um in in that case uh amy that's mm, that's a whole nother deal and then issue 64 well i mean we should just get right into it. Yeah, let's start with issue 64. IDW Sonic 64 with our opening story done by Evan Stanley, both writing and art. And also, I also want to shout out the A cover done by Jack Lawrence as it is just a redraw of the greatest scene on television. The Pepe Silvia scene from Always Sunny. Silver in the center frame. It's art. It's perfect. I love it. Thank you. Yes, it's absolutely magical. Thank you for this. We open on Whisper. She's recounting Mimic to Silver, and he's explaining why the two of them have been uh, hunting each other, so to speak. We see them hiling in the foliage at the mall, and right over them up the stairs, Duo is just on the floor above them. He's drinking a soda and acting natural. And also, take a good look at the bushes, because Silver is actually disguising his front quills as a bush. It's actually very funny. Yeah, it's uh, Marijuana the Hedgehog. What more do we need to say? I mean, honestly, I didn't even catch that until it was the second time around reading it for the notes. I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) oh. Silver says that Duo hasn't done anything weird so far. They've been tailing him all day, but Whisper says you gotta be patient. Silver thinks it might be best to just spook him just a little bit. Try to catch him transforming in the middle of it. But Whisper says, look. Don't hurt him. We need proof before we strike. Silver does a little a little bit of a very small finger pull, which ends up yanking his foot into the air, and Duo is about to fall past the railing. He's able to think fast and hooks his foot onto the railing to catch himself, but he slips, just in time for Lanolin to show up and pull him in, and just is like, all right, Silver, come out of here, gives it up, and her wrist pulls him out, 
and she rips him as she was tailing him all morning. Remind me not to take you on a stealth mission. What are you even trying to do out here? And that's where Whisper makes herself known. Stop a monster as she loads her wisp on. Whisper, explain yourself. She doesn't have to. Duo is lying about who he is. That's Mimic. Stop. Okay. First of all, just again, laying it out on the table. They basically know it's Mimic because Silver almost died because of this guy, right? Number two, Whisper has seen the signs of this before. She knows. Yeah, she's the expert, if you will. Right, okay. Lanolin says, the shapeshifter, that's a big accusation. Do you have any proof? We will soon. I know what I'm talking about. Mimic has tells. He does. If we can get him to slip, so you decide to harass a teammate. Pause. Okay, we have we have a big issue here. She is missing the point. Let's point. just leave it at that right now. Whisper walks up, holds Lanolin's arm, and says, I'm not waiting, before Lanolin throws her to the ground, and Whisper is still holding on. Silver is one thing. You and I are soldiers. Control yourself. Uh. Uh. If you have a problem, we need to talk about it as a team. Whisper then kicks Lanolin off balance before fighting back against her. I won't let it happen again. Duo slinks off into the crowd as Silver notices and screams, get back here. He starts speaking. Thought you could sneak away, huh? I, I don't know what you think I did, but I-, but I promise I didn't. If you got nothing to hide, why would you run? As Silver picks up a bunch of <laughs> tables and chairs. This is, this is very familiar, by the way. Uh, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> as he pulls up all of the tables and chairs around him, why don't you take a seat and tell everybody else what you did in Green Hill? It's over, Mimic as he prepares to slap the chair on the ground. And at this point, Mimic smiles. Duo goes into, ah, please don't hurt me. And then uh, fakes a hard landing. <sighs> well, Silver is obviously shocked at what happened. But unfortunately, people in the crowd didn't really see for sure what happened. And that's where Jewel comes in after hearing the commotion and calls for a medic as Tangle comes in behind her. She sees Whisper was shaking and comes to her and she's muttering to herself, you know, Mimic would have revealed himself. It's not supposed to be like this. And then Tangle very lovingly just takes her mask off of her and consoles her in a hug. I know it's hard to stop fighting, but you need to rest. I'm here for you. So, Sega, why won't you let them be gay again? Like, come on, look at this. Yeah, look at this. Look at this. It's very, very, very gay. Um, okay, I mean, look, I, I, can we talk about this now? Because I'm gonna say this. This feels very stupid. Like, very, very, very stupid. I, I think the better word is, like, contrived. Artificial, even. Yes. If they really wanted to double down on this idea of Mimic being, like, you know, like, in duo, like, the duality, like, oh, like, like it's kind of obvious, but it's not obvious at the same time, they should have waited an issue or two for this. Should have let the tension actually build here instead of being like, okay, they worked together on one mission and Silver was a part of it. Oh, what's that? Now we just flick. Oh, now we're, we've, we've moved to, um, oh, uh, Whisper and Lanolin are fighting because Whisper has trauma and she noticed the same thing as Silver, which that motherfucker really did try to kill them clean as day and they both saw it. 
And now it's, as she says, I'm so sure he was Mimic, but Mimic, he wouldn't, it wasn't supposed to, like, no, bro, I get it. It's for kids. But at the same time, there's a certain level of intelligence the characters should have. It just feels like that's being removed. See, I I see what you mean here. However, I kind of, like, from a reader's perspective, I can tell that, like, Lanolin is obviously the biggest roadblock here, and she's just not listening. And, hey, look, maybe there's, like, something going on in the future. Maybe that this is, like, character development for her, because we have not spent a lot of time with her. So all of our frustrations here are, like, real and genuine. Yep, I can can stick with that argument, because I don't necessarily want to think that this is, like, Evan doing a poor job here. I'm not trying to insinuate that, and I don't think that's what you're trying to insinuate either. But it does still, regardless, feel like forced and a little unnecessary. It does maybe even too fast. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's that's kind of the really big problem here. If there was more time given to this development, and they didn't, and and you know, Mimic didn't immediately play his hand, it would have been way, way way better you know what it is though i think it's because like maybe this is just wrong place wrong time for the story arc because now with the next issue we're gonna be going like in a hard direction somewhere else following a completely different story if this arc was going to be a bit more serious and focused i think perhaps we could have had an extra issue or two of mimic maybe trying to like take certain members of the cutters aside to like have one-on-one conversations and like figure out their tricks their weak points one things or the other and that's where whisper starts getting suspicious if the situation was different this could have been like a lot better of a story i think yeah yeah it, it feels like they really like tripped over themselves with this like I get that you kind of want to, like, increase the tension, but, like, no, dude, you need an, at least another issue or two of, like, the signs becoming more apparent and then the pivot, right? And then, like, ugh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really not a fan of the writing here. It, it really feels contrived. And Lanolin is becoming continually, like, more of, like, a, yeah, y'all are wrong, I'm right kind of character. And, like, hopefully there's development there. But it's a little, I think, kind of frustrating as well when we're talking about, like, an OC character that was basically just introduced. It's not a great first impression. Mm, Yeah, I don't know. Jewel asks who started this whole fight, and Lanolin just points to Silver. Now it's time for a little bit of clarity. You and Whisper thought Duo was Mimic, and you attacked him. And Silver swears up and down, like, "I I thought he would at least fight back, like, transform or something, but... No, he's just just some guy. Some guy. He's not just some guy. Bro, you watched him attack you in cold blood and try to kill you. That's a bit of a slip up. That's not right. Well, uh, Lanolin comes back and says, Silver, until you can act more responsibly, I think you should stay away from the diamond cutters for a while. I think that's my vote. Sorry for the, the flippancy I said in the voice, but that's just kind of how I read it at the moment. I mean, that's basically the energy. And unfortunately, Whisper in her state agrees. I don't want to misguide you again. And Jewel asks for Tangle's input. She's a founding diamond cutter as well. She deserves a say. And she actually does hesitate considering everything. But Whisper in her state convinces her to be on her side and reluctantly votes Silver out as well. And Silver is surprised, dejected, and walks away very angry. And Mimic, smirking 
has won this battle. I don't know why, but the smirk looks like, uh, clearly you don't own an air fryer. <laughs> That's the energy it has to me, you know? That's a very, like, specific energy, but yes, I agree with you. I, I mean, can we, can we just, like, pull the panel up on screen, and then can we, like, zoom into his face, and then just put, like, the impact font? Clearly, you don't own an air fryer. <laughs> Finally, some uh, memes coming yeah. out of this. All right, we're back yeah, on track. Exactly. Okay, we're back on track. We're back on track. All right, so some time passes, and we see now Duo in the medic bay having dinner. As he's eating, Jewel comes in to offer an apology. You know, this isn't his typical experience for new recruits, but he's up and down just saying, hey, I'm cool. I got room service here. It's all good. But Jewel offers to make it up to him. Would you like to work with me as a temporary assistant until you're fully recovered and you can go back into the field? And Duo says he's honored. And she says, great, as she leaves him alone. And as he's left alone in his room, that's where Mimic shows his true eyes, calling this a very interesting development and unwraps the cast of his arm perfectly fine and that's the end of the first story and man oh man i think what makes this especially frustrating is the fact that as i said earlier the next issue we're going to be following a completely different storyline so we're not going to get the resolution to this for a little while i mean i know issue 67 i believe is what it is is the issue where surge and kit are going to be coming to try to join the uh the restoration so maybe we may get a touch of this there in that issue then but still, this is a very, very difficult note to lead things on for the time being. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of this. I, I really am not. But you know, we'll, we'll go from that to actually decent writing. So, story B, written by Ian Flynn and art by Maro Fonseca. So, Sonic and Blaze are picking up from the last issue, where they are running back into town when they catch sight of Silver. He is upset. And Blaze, worried, says that she should check on him. So she comes to Silver, and he just says, Man, I, I messed things up again. Espio gave me some good advice, but it's hard to follow when I can't actually be proactive. Blaze figures you're still preoccupied with finding your purpose in this time, right? So think of it like this. You want your victory garden to flourish, right? Yeah. You want to harvest his bounty eventually, right? Yeah. Are you going to achieve that with proactive action or small dedicated efforts over time and now the gears are turning in his head yeah yeah i think i get it now provide and listen thanks blaze you always know what to say to make things make sense well as long as you're willing to listen i'll always be willing to help meanwhile captain jackass is slurping his drink at the, at maximum volume while holding the cake <laughs> it's like hey you two look pretty good together huh and everyone's just like, hey, man, what are uh, And Sonic's like, no, 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 no. Look, listen, you two complement each other as a duo pretty good. You know, it's kind of like how me and Tails operate. We trust each other. We cover each other's blind spots and making sure I don't owe him any meals. I got him and Amy pasta. I got to go. Got you guys later. <laughs> My guy said, hey, yo, have fun, kids. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> as Sonic closes the door, Silver says, there are days I honestly don't know whether he's the coolest guy in the world or if I should throw a car at him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Blaze gives like a rather hearty laugh from the chest. And Silver is like a little off put from that. As it's unbecoming of her, she clears her throat. He, he comes on very strong. It's part of his charm. 
And she adds, ultimately, you know, you two aren't that different, all things considered. Excuse me? Well, you know, you both prefer to act decisively and strikingly. You have immense power, and all you want to do with it is to protect others. It's noble. Commendable. So Silver adds, well, maybe that's why we're in so much sync. You're the same as us, too. You know, you're the princess of an empire with tremendous power of your own. Either one alone would make you unapproachable, but you want to use your position and power to protect everyone. Because you want to, not because you have to. They breathe, Silver coughs, Blaze like gulfs down her cake. Uh, it's, it's, my, it's just a, my duty, it's just my duty, but thank you. And you know, this world and time bring out the best in the both of us, don't they? Silver thinks so. You know, right now you're the only one going to see all of it. But she thinks there's more to see and understand, so why not we go together? What? You mean like right now? No time like the present. And Silver's like, hey, wait, did you, <laughs> hey, hey, time travel joke. Did you make a joke? What the? And then, like, Silver's just like, okay, you know what? If that's how things are going to be with you around here, yeah, I got to see what else can inspire you. And then they're off. Blaze goes, our first stop, the city of Soleana. It's lovely this time of year. Okay, so here's the real question. Are they are they going to nut up and finally show Soleana in an official context? Because I think it's time. I, th- I really think it's time, man. I mean, I'm not going to lie. With the way the comics have been going thus far, it seems like the creative team are, like, really starting to push the envelope or at least, like, push the boundaries with Sega as to what is okay to, like, display and show off in these comics. Because last time around, we got to see Spagonia. And yeah, we didn't get to see any people, but hey, baby steps. There's this whole other time we've just been seeing, you know, for lack of a better word, Mobian settlements in kind of a generic looking area that may or may not be West Side Island. So the more further we push it, the better. Yeah, please. I'm all for this. Please. Let me see Soleana. Fuck it. Show Elise. Fuck it. Come on. We ball. Yo, just show Elise, bro. Please. I think it'd be so funny. It would be so funny. Alright, that was this month's Sonic issue. Yeah, there's there's some criticism going on here. But you know, look, we'll wait for the we'll wait for things to become more developed before we have a full opinion. Right, you know, we're still halfway through this arc, so to speak. So before we move on, let's talk about this next one, because we have a special to talk about. The IDW Sonic Amy 30th anniversary special. Again, taking place in the classic era of the comics this takes place between mania and adventure it nebulously appears to be before superstars as well but that's kind of just my take it is written by ian flynn and art by aaron hammerstrom the covers for this are all very cute but the one i prefer is cover b by mara fonseca because it's literally just bishojo magical girl amy uh and it's adorable I love it. Yep, that was his direct inspiration. I think he said he inspired by like a particular cover of Card Captor Sakura. Sakura, yeah. But yeah. Okay. I also have issues with this special. Oh boy. But 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 it's but it's an overarching thing, so I, I'm we're gonna have to get through all of it before we really get to the uh how do we wanna say meat and potatoes. Alright, so let's open on the flower field zone. Amy set up a tea party with some of the animal friends. Oh, isn't this cute? They're all having a fun time together. And some of them are actually interested in her tarot cards. And she's kind of talking about them saying, these cards are what led me to meet Sonic for the first time, but didn't really tell me about the adventure that would follow though. So a Flicky decides to ask for a reading, and she says, well, let's get this party started then. She shuffles the deck, pulls out the first card from the top, 
And she is very disturbed with what she pulled because it is a card of a ghost holding a scythe of which I can only presume is supposed to be death. Yes, absolutely. As Amy is mortified by this, uh, she tells all of the animals to find someplace safe with her right now. Just humor me for a moment, okay? Reading the cards can be tricky. Sometimes I can be wrong. But Metal Sonic leaps onto the table, picking up the piece of cake, looking around and crushing it before taking off again. Very dramatically, he crushed that cake. Metal flies away. Amy just breathes a sigh of relief and figured with Metal Sonic on the hunt, Eggman has to be up to no good again. So she decides to consult the cards, thinking it may be able to do something about that. And as she's reading, she sees she's going to be meeting familiar faces along the way. So she decides to leap into action, tells the animals to look out for one another. But the Flicky decides to tag along. We next see her at Waterfall Grove Zone with Amy and the Flicky making their way through this little field and uses her cards to predict who she'll come across and pulls a card with a Chaos Emerald on it saying that this represents willpower which from what I tried to research I think the closest equivalent is the Magician. Yeah that makes sense so you know. Yeah I'm going to be doing this for all the cards that pop up so take a guess what you'll think I'll say. Persona brain, persona brain, persona brain. Yeah, uh, persona fans, TikTok witch girls, I'm shaking my hands right now. (laughs) (laughs) So Amy hopes it means running into Sonic. Nothing can stand in his way, of course. And on cue, she finds an animal capsule, you know, the ones that are like at the end of the boss zones, that thing. She thinks Metal Sonic must be kidnapping animals and trapping them inside and proceeds to open it up. As she swings it down, the capsule opens and out comes oh would you look at that it's fang huh now that is an interesting pick amy asks, what were you doing in there fang you know washing the water out of his hat says me and the boys botched a job for dr eggman didn't like that locked us all up so eggman is up to something well in that case would you want to team up nope i'm gonna go get me boys backs nobody takes nothing from me and he just walks off <laughs> But, but we can help each other. Uh, fine, I don't really like you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she and the Flicky start to move again, and Amy figures the bird was asking if the card was wrong. So, well, I mean, you know, it wasn't wrong per se. Fang is a very determined hunter and not even afraid of confronting Eggman after getting locked up. See, that's the thing about these cards. They don't really tell you the future. They're like, uh, they're like signposts. Very interesting wording, signposts. It's up to you to figure out how their meanings apply to the situation. Sometimes it's clear, sometimes it can be vague. And, you know, the Flicky's kind of losing his faith in the cards, but Amy says, look, 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 it's not an exact science, but hey, look, it got us this far. And she leads the way to find more friends and stop Eggman's plans. But we see the capsule, Metal Sonic approaches, Fang has escaped, and Amy was probably the one who released him. And now he's on a hunt of his own. In the forest, Amy ends up hearing Metal's engine roar towards them, and just panic hides in the nearest tree. Metal gets up, blows away all the leaves, seeing only the Flicky just kind of like shrugging at him in very a lot of fear. Uh, Amy moved behind the tree, Metal slams to the ground, and she runs around the other side just before he can see her. And luckily, got the slip. She and the Flicky both breathing a sigh of relief as he goes. We now move to Orchard Forest. Amy pulls a card of Twin Tails, saying that this represents compassion and support, which from what I looked into, doesn't really seem to have any connection to Major Arcana, but the closest I gathered was the star. So Amy says, this time I'm sure we're about to run into Tails. He's sweet and kind and smart and always willing to help out. Shoutouts to Master System Sonic 2, Tails and the Stars. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know why, but every time I see it, I'm just like, damn, bro. Can't believe Tails is fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, no, it's from that ending. The bad ending of Sonic 2 8-bit, where it's heavily implied that Tails died. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sega in the 90s was built different, man. They were. They were a different beast. Well... Amy finds a capsule in front of her and upon release opens it and frees Ray. So she helps him up and explains Metal Sonic has been capturing people all around. He was with Mighty when they held off Metal and was told to run. Ray asks her for help to rescue Mighty and really anyone else that Metal captured, which she of course agrees to. The Flicky gives off a sharp note of disapproval, which Amy bites back saying, Ray is just as compassionate and supportive as Tails. He's always sunny and upbeat, charming and nice to be around. The card was still right. The flag is like, hey, come on. Hey, whoa, 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 hey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, can't believe that this girl is really full in on, like, bro, okay, the cards, they can never be wrong. And hey, you know, I guess here it was not wrong. So Ray will just take all that as a compliment, and Amy does another card spread, telling Ray she's been doing this for insight throughout the journey. And the next card she pulls depicts a knight. A focusing on heroism and strength, which is, of course, the strength arcana. Ray thinks that Mighty could be nearby then, and Amy thinks so as well, but maybe it could also be Sonic or Knuckles with how active Metal has been. So Amy leads the way to the Market Harbor Zone, seeing a squad of badniks patrolling the town. Amy thinks that they probably chased the people out of their homes, and now they're stealing all the fruit. Maybe Ray. Oh, Ray thinks that maybe Eggman made a new badnik powered by fruit. Amy does not necessarily think so, but they do see another capsule near the docks. Unfortunately, they can't get to it without rushing the badniks. Although, Flicky has an idea. We see taking the hammer, Amy's hammer, struggling to fly overhead and hovers right above the top of the capsule, drops the hammer, freeing Bark. And once he is released from his chamber, he just goes ape shit. Yeah, he just goes on a tear, destroying robots left and right. Amy says, come on, they're going to swarm him. As Ray follows in to the fray, and they beat down all of the badniks together. Oh, yes. All the badniks have been trashed. The three of them kind of are back-to-back to each other. And Ray is a little concerned about freeing Bark, considering, you know, he's kind of a bad guy and all that. But Amy says, hey, look, the card was about strength, and Bark, one of the strongest guys around. Because honestly, I don't really think he's a bad guy. I think he just hangs with a bad crowd. The Flicky lands on his head, kind of concurring with her, and Bark's face just kind of goes red. I guess he's he's very in his feelings. He's very in his honey nut filias, right? <laughs> Uh, Dr. Eggman's been using Metal Sonic to kidnap our friends. Fang is already looking for you and Bean. If you help us, you'll be getting back at Eggman for locking you up and reuniting you with your gang. Will you join us? Bark gives a thumbs up. <laughs> Amy hugs him as he simply just blushes through the scarf. And uh, <laughs> Ray asks, what will your cards tell you to do next? Well, Amy says, thankfully, we don't need the cards this time. We can just take this boat. Let's just look at the logs and see where we need to go. Meanwhile, back at Orchard Forest, Metal Sonic finds the capsule Ray was released from, records that, and has analyzed Amy is opening captives. Later, the three have taken the little ship to Eggman's base, Eggman Island Zone, which I don't think is the same, but I think Eggman Island Zone is from Sega Sonic. I think that's the locale. I may be wrong. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the intention. Well, an Egg Robo that was at the dock stares at his clipboard, nothing was scheduled to arrive, But Amy springs out, hammer at the ready, and smashes her way through. As they're fully on the land, Amy does one last consulting of the cards, 
and pulls a card which shows animals coming together in a circle, which Amy reads as we're about to be reunited with all of our friends soon, which, of course, is the end of the journey, the world. Woo! I love person. No, I can't. I'm not even going to do it. <laughs> Amy leads the way through, trying to move a palm leaf, but it pricks her hand, and she realizes that... Actually, all the plants around here are made of metal, by Eggman's design. Speaking of which, Metal Sonic arrives at the harbor, finding broken badniks, a stolen cargo ship, and just gives chase. The three make their way through Eggman Island, sneaking around badniks along the way, and they enter Eggman's central base, finding a room containing rows upon rows of capsules. Just when they're about ready to start freeing them, Metal Sonic catches up to them, breaks in through a window, and comes eye to eye with Amy, which, not gonna lie, the, the shot kind of goes. The shot goes really hard. Um, clearly, there's a sense of, I guess, light PTSD from CD, but at the same time, we'll get into it. <laughs> Bark holds back Metal Sonic as he looks back at Amy. She says that she understands. We have to open up as many capsules as fast as we can. Amy opens up a capsule containing Sonic, and she is ecstatic about it. Hey, Amy, thanks for the save, he says. Eh... I messed stuff while checking this place out and got ambushed by Metal Sonic. Pretty lame. I'm gonna kick his butt. <laughs> Sonic is actually about ready to rush Metal Sonic himself. But Amy says, actually, can you hold back and focus on freeing capsules? I have an idea. And Sonic's like, oh, really? Yeah, sure. I'll go along with it. And we see Amy's like bishy vision, I like to call it. Yeah. Yeah, bishy vision. It's, uh, it's peak. But what's even more peak is that Ray Freeze Bean. Yeah. And, and, and he, he is slowly starting to put together like a little home inside of the capsule. It's just like, the room was finally coming together too. <laughs> What's interesting is that the picture on the wall, I think is the, the original like, design he's based off of yes i think it's supposed to be pin from dynamite ducks yes it's extremely funny but yeah i mean great panel more bean posting please yeah come on give us more sonic has been opening capsules as metal sonic was chasing after him but amy looks around and actually she comes eye to eye with fang he reset one of the capsules that was unlocked to a trap mode and just gives her little tip of the hat so amy takes this as the signal and takes a deep breath for what she has to do next and screams at metal hey i was the one that freed everybody what are you gonna do about that and metal takes the bait just as sonic frees tails from a capsule metal rushes after her amy ducks at just the last second metal loses control and slams right into the open capsule locking him in inside and Fang mocking him from up top. All in all, massive victory for today. Plan went off without a hitch. Sonic helps her up and gives her her props. Ray comes in having freed Mighty from a capsule. And Fang tells the boys, let's just get out of here, guys, okay? And Bark is like getting up, recovering from his fight. And Bean comes in with his fucking luggage saying, yeah, the amenities were awful here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> God, he's so based. How does he do it? <laughs> so Sonic goes, well, now what? Amy says, well, let's get back on the boat with everybody. Let's go back to Flower Field Zone. And let's get back to that picnic Metal Sonic interrupted. Something that Mighty agrees with lifts her up celebratory into the air. And later, we see just that. The picnic, now with Sonic, Tails, Amy, Mighty, and Ray. Their glasses held high. Sonic calls it a toast for our hero of today, Amy. And of course, she's humble, saying, well, I mean, I, I was just following where the cards told me to go. But the Flicky points towards her, 
And Ray says, well, yeah, all those cards that you pulled today, Amy, strong-willed, compassionate, supportive, heroic, surrounded by friends, the cards weren't really describing us. They were describing you all along. And Amy's blushing a little bit, saying, ah, yeah, 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 the cards can be read a lot of different ways. But hey, look, the important thing is we get to enjoy a happily ever after together. And their glasses held high, they're starting to party the night away. And later on that night, Eggman comes back to his base, goes a little upset, drops his Jamba Juice, all the capsules were open, and storms out around looking for Metal Sonic. The guy had one damn job as he passes the capsule that was holding him. Sad. And that's the end of the Amy special, and, um... I'll, I'll start with the positive first. If the intention here was to celebrate, you know, the character of Amy, her 30th anniversary, and also along the way with Metal Sonic, 30th anniversary of Sonic CD... I think it succeeded in doing that. Yes, I think as a celebration, it works. As an Amy adventure, that's where the problems kind of start. I feel like Amy doesn't really do much, and it kind of sucks. She's reading tarot cards and occasionally opening up capsules, and that's kind of it. I think there's a little difficulty here because we know where Amy's character leads up to now as it stands in the games currently and in IDW Sonic. They want to portray Amy as like starting to get to that point. So I think you can only do so much without going into actual character development, which I feel like they're hesitant in doing. And I'm not putting that on Ian. I'm putting that more on Sega. I think another really big part of this is that the Tales 30th anniversary special felt like it had a lot more going on with it. It felt like the story was like a reintroduction, retelling of like Tales Sky Patrol in a new and unique way and it incorporated the flickies and everything and like it felt like Tales was doing shit. Feels like Amy is running into a bunch of coincidences here through the cards and I, I don't know. I just don't like the way it's really written. It, something about it doesn't sit right with me, which is unfortunate because I was really looking forward to Bishojo Magical Girl Amy and it really didn't feel like we got that. And uh, I don't know. It, I'm it, like reluctant to agree with you because I, I do agree with you. But at the same time, I do think there is a little bit more going for it. I do wish Amy had a bit more action going involved there. Although I do feel like it's more of like a restriction of circumstance rather than like anything poor yeah i don't know i i i i really did not like vibe with this one i felt i was really excited for it and i really thought it was going to be a lot more and it didn't really meet my standards for what i kind of wanted in an amy special but listen at the end of the day i do agree that as a celebration of amy and metal sonic for their 30th anniversary it works but wasn't really my thing which is unfortunate that's true however i will say this on the topic of these like 30th anniversary comics we already have confirmed that we are getting a 30th anniversary knuckles special next year and also we'll be including fang involved with that because triple trouble came out in 94 as well and ian actually did hint about it a little bit on the Bumblecast. he was asked like when that special takes place and he said the fang special explicitly takes place before superstars knuckles is a bit more nebulous as to where it could be either before or after superstars and he also teased classic chaotix please please look all i'm saying is, is that, that that's a that's a first bro it's gonna be the first in a very long time I'm very excited for that. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be very, very interesting 
to see where that's going to go. Now, now with all that being uh, said and done, folks, now it's time for the big one. This was a comic hyped up for months and months on end because of one thing. It's title. IDW Sonic 900th Adventure Special. So now you're probably wondering, 900, how did they come up with that number? Well, it begins with like kind of a preamble, which says about how for the past 30 years, Sonic has been printed in comics regularly in both the US and the UK, counting up from what they describe our own Sonic comic book series, tie-ins to the newest games, and cartoon spin-offs. It's a very interesting way to describe that comic. This issue is the 900th appearance of Sonic the Hedgehog in comic book form. I will say, though, they did kind of fudge it because they counted reprints. Lamau. <sighs> um, we have a lot to say about this one. Yes. And it's, uh... <laughs> the thing is, is that the 900th Adventure Special is one continuous story. However, the story is written and art done by many different people. It's actually cut into seven different segments. And it's about like seven pages per segment. So what I'm going to do is, is that I have taken it in my notes... I've cut up everything into pieces. We've got segment one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, with all the other one being credited accordingly. So we're going to start with the beginning on our first segment, writing by Ian Flynn and art by Adam Bryce Thomas. In one of tales, many, many live-in labs does our journey start. Then there was the time you beat Neo Metal Sonic on Angel Island. To be fair, buddy, that was a group effort. Since when are you so modest? One of the reasons I'm so awesome is I make sure credit is given when it's due. Ah, the old humble brag. That's better. <laughs> Why are we even doing this? You feel nostalgic or something? Tails then appropriately says, It just occurred to me how lucky I've been to know you for so long and how many crazy adventures we've been on together. I've asked myself how many times has Sonic saved the world by this point? Oh right, the whole metal virus things. That brings us to 899 world saving victories. Again, group effort. You guys gathered the Chaos Emeralds and Silver did a lot of heavy lifting. Although, <laughs> I did supercharge the warp topaz that ended up being the key to all of it. So, as the warp topaz warps in. The timing is impeccable. And now I do want to say something. The story opening with Sonic chilling on the couch with his guitar, that's very Archie-coded. Extremely Archie-coded. I also do want to say, I do find it very funny how Tails just kind of hand wave away. Just says, oh right, the whole metal virus thing. As if that probably was not the most traumatic thing he's ever experienced in his life. <laughs> Me, when I, when I wave the trauma away, it's no big deal, guys. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, don't look in my diary with the massive scribbles in it. Don't look at that. It's fine. Don't, it's don't. fine, guys. It's, fine. it's just fine, man. It's just fine. So with the warp topaz there... Tails quickly runs a diagnostic from his tablet. Okay, yeah, this thing is still super juiced up. It's very unstable. So Sonic gets up and goes, Okay, from a scale of uh-oh to panic screaming, where are we at? Well, Tails adds, the last time you handled the warp topaz like this, you landed in Blaze's world with amnesia. So Sonic quips, well, okay, so we're shy from panic screaming to aggressively clutching at the armrest. Tails is like, bro, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just trying to lighten the mood, man. Come on. But Tails also catched a massive surge in power. If this thing overloads at the wrong place, it could destabilize the planet's core or wipe out the whole city. All right. Best bet for this thing. We got to try to find out where Starline plucked this. And hopefully if we put it back, it may neutralize it. So Tails, you're going to figure out where that goes. And Sonic is going to race it there. No problem. But of course, 
Tails does have a little bit of concern for him. You know, if you take on too much energy as your normal self, you know, there might be no turning back. But Sonic's like, hey, man, we can figure that out on the fly. I run, you watch my back, same as always, partner. He also thinks, though, it might be smart for Sonic to find a way to share the energy somehow. Well, Sonic's got the comms watch on. I'll ask for updates as I wrangle this thing and grasp the topaz saying, all right, you want to be Chaos Emerald, let's get you back to where you belong. And as he firmly grasps it, Sonic has just popped away. Tails panics and just asks Sonic, all right, where are you at? Sonic's like, well, uh, I feel a little tingly, but I'm fine. He's, his eyes clear up, and he realizes that he's back at Green Hill. Tails will call around to see if there's anyone that can help Sonic handle the energy as Sonic tries to find the topaz plugged hole to put this thing into. So Sonic puts himself into position, stretches, all right, no more infections, corruptions, or other nonsense. Let's go for win number 900 as he takes off full speed ahead. Before I move on though, I kind of want to point this out as it kind of goes by pretty fast. Sonic saying corruptions gives me the reading that this story takes place after Frontiers, which it's a little, little something to think about. It's a little something for that. Hmm. Hmm. That's where the first segment ends. This next segment, both writing and art was done by Evan Stanley. But also, I kind of want to shout out Gigi Tutri for doing the colors, because what she did is actually incredible. She gave this, like, pastel watercolor kind of look that really adds to the chaos of what's about to happen. Yeah, the watercoloring look here is fucking sick. It looks dope. Sonic just leaps over from a ramp, calls on his comms watch, sneakerhead to Minty French, Minty Fresh, come in, and Tails comes, dude, we don't need code names. No can do, Tornadonator. What do you think this thing's gonna do? Uh, I don't know, some erratic spatial distortion, maybe importation of physical matter from concentrated areas. In other words, portals, and a lot of them. And from those portals, uh, just things. Which happen to just start popping out now into space. Much like Twinkle Park's roller coasters, and the Chunan Dragon Road platforms are all just popping out. Which, hey, that's cool to look at, I guess. I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of cool. I'm picking up a big energy spike here, says Sonic. Yeah, speaking of, I'm gonna have to call you back. As the Orca appears. Y you know. The Orca from Reveled Coast. As he's coming face to face, about to be swallowed by the Orca, Sonic hears a voice, with Amy hammering in the Orca out of Sonic's way, but the weird gravity causes Amy to fall into the portal with it. Sonic has to dive in, Amy's riding on the back of the Orca for the time being, and they all fall into the lake. Uh, not the best rescue effort, but Amy had to act fast. You know, Tails' call was pretty serious from the sounds of everything. Well, Sonic says the next step is to get the warp topaz as far away from me as possible. Ideally, the direction Tails wants. No portals, no topaz. Well... Amy asks, well, what about the Orca? We can't really leave it stranded here. However, she's got an idea. This leads Sonic to run across the water, leading the Orca toward a rock formation. And Amy's like, hey man, I'm gonna make you a nice batch of cookies after this, I promise. So Sonic jumps up the rock formation, Orca follows, which creates a portal behind himself. So Sonic throws the topaz, Amy swings it back like a baseball, and the two leap right off the Orca. And it jumps right into the portal left behind, presumably going home. So with that little chaos done, they head back to land. Amy complains that Sonic smells like wet fur and low tide. And Sonic asks, well, you know, hey, after all this, can those cookies be triple chocolate chip? You know, the good stuff, right? 
Oh my god, bro. Yo, yo, chill. Triple chocolate chip sounds so fucking good right now. I wonder if Amy yoinked the crumble cookies recipes. I think she could do good with those. Nah, crumble is so mid compared to, like, other shit that you can get, dude. Like, I'm- listen. Have you heard about how they, like, stole all their recipes from, like, Penguin Brothers? Really? Yeah. Allegedly. I should- allegedly. Please don't sue me. Allegedly. (laughs) Yeah, but allegedly, the person who runs, uh, or, like, now currently runs Crumble Cookies used to work at Penguin Brothers and just yoinked all their recipes. Allegedly. Allegedly. So, Sonic prepares to run after the Topaz, but Amy does a quick stop for him and actually just brings him in for a hug and wishes him good luck. Go save the world, Sonic. And Sonic appreciates that a lot. And he boosts away. And Amy realizes she has no idea how to go home. (laughs) She's like, bro, what the fuck is going on? I will say, that little moment between Sonic and Amy, very nice and wholesome. In another era, Sonic would be like, no woman, get away from me. But here... (laughs) This guy said, in another era... I, I mean, am I wrong? No, in a in a darker timeline, that's what would be happening. But you know, you know, this is this 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 is where we are right now. <laughs> yeah. So now our next segment. This was done by a name I'm sure many people in our community were very, very, very looking forward for us to talk about. Nigel Kitching. Yes, this was his first official contribution to Sonic the Hedgehog in twenty years. Twenty. Twenty fucking years. Mm-hmm. I really want you to think about that and put that into perspective for a second. That is nuts. <laughs> yes. So, Nigel Kitching, I'm going to do our standard stuff here. Nigel Kitching, the longtime head writer of Fleetway's Sonic the Comic, printed between 1993 and 2002, just over 20 years in the UK. His other notable works are on AD2000 and actually as an artist on some of Edgemont's Transformers comics. And... While we're here, I also want to comment. Kitching not only has co-signed the fan-run Sonic the Comic Online as a continuation of that canon, but he has also in the past contributed to it for art and has written a story for it called Exit Sonic, which, in his words, he envisioned it as the final Sonic story he would ever write. How ironic time is. How I, how how fucking ironic. And of course, Mauro Fonseca did the art. But before we really, really get into it, Mauro Fonseca doing the art. I believe we mentioned this the last time around, but Mauro Fonseca got his start on Sonic the Comic Online, so I'm sure he's over the moon to do art for Nigel Kitching. That that must be a, a massive honor. Getting to meet your heroes, that's, a, that's huge. That's good for them. Our story begins as Sonic has been warped into another area that he's getting in contact with Knuckles via Tails. The war Topaz is making him feel a little weird, and then that's where he sees Knuckles. Sonic says he appreciates Knuckles taking time off the island to help, which he says, you know, Tails has a habit of being right about important stuff. Tails over here saying, I really wish I did not sometimes. Tails yells, pass off the Topaz now, the readings are going off the charts. But just as they're about to hand it over, Sonic is caught in this kind of warp explosion and throws Knuckles back, with the feeling... They're in a lot of trouble. We next see Sonic in some kind of lab, kind of kneeled over and winded. And behind him is Metal Sonic. And he grabs the warp topaz, standing with it over his head triumphantly. Tails is seeing that the warp topaz still has some effects on Sonic. And Sonic is like doubled over in pain, kind of pleading with Metal Sonic. Look, I know we've had our differences in the past, but we're talking about the entire planet right here. Please, you gotta believe me. Metal takes one look at the topaz and makes up his mind. 
clocks Sonic right across the place and flings <laughs> him to the other side of the room. He's just like, uh, I don't think so, man. I don't I don't really care, dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, wow. You're like this in my room? That's crazy, dog. That's crazy, dog. <laughs> Sonic can now barely talk and tells us like, Sonic, man, you're, you're scaring me now. Like, what what's happening? And now Sonic, our boy Sonic, begins to monologue. Oh, uh, they might think I'm beaten, but I'm never going to get up, no matter the odds. Tails is trying to tell Sonic about the readings again, but Sonic's like, no, no, man, it's all over. Everything's going dark, and I... I think that's enough time, right, Tails? I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about anymore. So Sonic gets up, just starts running circles around Metal, saying that, well, I couldn't pass off the Topaz to Knuckles, but... Russ Bucket over here was the next best thing. Couldn't just hand it over to him, though. Would have smelled a rat. Tails starts to praise Sonic's thinking. I knew the effects would wear off quickly. Sonic saying he needed to stop Tails from telling Metal about the details. Speaking of, the Warp Topaz activates around Metal right as Sonic dives into him. They pop out of a portal right where Sonic left Knuckles. Sonic thinks he's now starting to get the hang of controlling where the portals are taking him. Tails thinking as much, considering that he found the warp topaz, it looks like now it might be heading to a cave somewhere. Sonic asks Metal, hey, while you stick around, you might want to get back to Eggman while you can, or you want to take your chances with this thing again. Metal just takes a look at the topaz, his arm is smoking, and is just like, okay man, fine, whatever. And Knuckles is like, come on, now, so is it time for me to do my part then? You know, hold the topaz to decharge it, right? And Sonic's like, Nah, I'm good, actually. Thanks for you, though. And he runs off. Knuckles is, like, kind of pissed. Well, the next time you want someone to wait around pointlessly, give me a call. It's not like I have anything better to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sonic runs off. Tails tell him, you know, man, that really wasn't funny. Are you going to tell Knuckles that Metal took the charge and that he didn't need to take it? Oh, I will. Someday. <laughs> so I, I feel like the, the the intent of this section is to capture the essence of Sonic the Comic Sonic, where he's just an asshole sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So Vic, mission accomplished. Um, when we eventually get to those comics, uh, believe me, we're going to be laughing our asses off at some of Sonic's lines of dialogue, which are just pure fucking like... Oh my god, like, what the fuck? Did he really just hit, hit him with that? I can't wait to the comic where Tails attempts to recreate the JFK assassination. Excuse me? Anyway, moving on. Uh <laughs> nah, man, there's no way. <laughs> segment, just, let's, <laughs> segment four. Segment four, written by Daniel Barnes, our guy, and art by Minho Kim. So he is kind of a new artist. This is his first time doing interiors. He normally does work with IDW as a cover artist. And most importantly, was the character artist for Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. So I, I kneel in the presence of two goats. Yes, absolutely. Um, we open as Eggman is in some kind of ruined city. Uh, is this Station Square? No, it's just a, ge a generic city. And also, for the record... Eggman is piloting a brand new mecha. This shit is right out of fucking Mazinger, guys. 
I was gonna say, this is literally a Mazinger Z mech, dude. And according to Kim, this is called the Egg Shogun Z. So Eggman's just a massive weeb, which I figured. It's pretty great. Like, let's not even kid ourselves. It does look pretty sick, I'm not gonna lie. Very Oda Nobuganda, if I do say so myself. Eggman is testing out this new mech by rocket punching out a building. Orbot and Cubot are outside of it in an Eggmobile. They're gassing Eggman up, giving him his hype. Until suddenly, a portal opens above Cubot, and the Topaz just plops right into his hand. So they both call to Eggman. Hey, look, we got the warp thingy. So Eggman comes over to him in his mech. Oh, I thought the Topaz was destroyed. I never thought in a million years I'd be saying this, but good job, you two. Let's get back to the lab and run some tests on it before... Sonic shows up. Terrific. Nice to see you too, Doc. Cubot tries to be intimidating and tries to warp away with the Topaz. Topaz control! No. No, no, j just, just no, dog. Nah, Chief. Now, Sonic struggles with Cubot to get the Topaz out of his hands. It's unstable, but, you know, Eggman keeps telling them, all right, hold him still, while he takes him out and pulls out a giant fucking sword, slices the building clean in half. And now, as a requirement for mecha anime, Eggman's standing with the sword in the brave pose. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're too young to understand what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, you're too much of a zoomer to understand peak fiction. Eggman hears this portal go off. Sonic's still struggling with Cubot to get the Topaz back. Eggman tries to crush all of them under the boot, but warps away just as the right time. Now they're right in front of its face. Cubot's shouting to hit him now. But they warp away, so Eggman just punches the mecha right in its center face. Eggman has had enough, and decides to just go full missile volley, Sonic running on the building's wall, Orbot and Cubot holding on for dear life for on the topaz, and I can just hear the Jason Griffith woo in this panel. Yeah, I can as well. It's, it's great. The missile hits seemingly into the building. As Sonic pilots a missile surfing on it, saying, Hey, Doc, I think you dropped this. As he hits the Egg Shogun Z, Sonic is just chilling on a rooftop. Ah, the old missile rebound gets him every time. Anyways, as much as I love to say and trash your new nerdy-looking robot, I should probably get back, you know, saving the world. You know how it is. Bye-bye. And he just dips. Sonic poofs away, and Eggman mutters, That's yeah, a great design. You're nerdy-looking, you little... Cubot asks, Did we get him? Shut up. And Orbot ends, of course, with the big oof. <laughs> this is such an in-joke from issue 50 <laughs> because people melted about Sonic's Once again, Daniel Barnes, I kneel. Yeah, absolutely. And before we move on, let's, let's recount here. Between the story of Eggman piloted Mecha fighting Sonic in this ruined city, additionally with the theme of Scrapnik Island, Daniel Barnes, you truly are the OVA's strongest warrior. Yeah, truly, absolutely. Our next segment, writing an arc done by Aaron Hammerstrom. Sonic is running through a stretch of desert. It's a very beautiful part. I just wish I had to hand the topaz off to somebody, though. Feels like it's getting more and more unstable by the minute. That's where it runs into Blaze, Cream, and Cheese. Blaze says that they were just out sightseeing, taking in the view and all that, and then Tails called in about the situation. But... Cream has been kind of quiet since then. You doing okay? Cream latches onto the bar, says, um, turns to face Sonic and Blaze. <gasps> I know I should ask to come on adventures and sometimes you tell me I shouldn't because it can be dangerous, but I really want to help get rid of the warp tap pass because it reminds me of how terrible everything was during the metal virus and I don't want anything to use. <sighs> I can't say it all in one go. I don't want anyone to like those bad doctors to use it for anything evil again. Even if it's only a little bit, I want to help. 
So Sonic and Blaze are taken aback by her outburst, and they very well can't say no to that passion. You ready to run? Sonic asks. She and Cheese are excited to tag along, and they keep pace behind Sonic and Blaze, tossing the Topaz to her. Unfortunately, that toss was right when it caused a sudden jump. Them landing in the middle of tropical jungle outside of Soleana. It's very weird it happened twice. Uh, Extremely funny it happened twice. As they grind on the rails, another portal opens, taking them to what I believe is Water Palace. It is indeed Water Palace. Now, of course, I need not to say why Water Palace. Blaze's first game, Cream was a center character in Blaze's story arc. Perfect setting for this segment. Perfect setting. Yeah, it's also the level that was used for um, Generations 3DS to represent Rush. Excellent selection. So they're sliding down the water slides until now more portals open and sends them to Monopole, which is the city in the beginning of Rider Zero Gravity. Thankfully, I had to research that, so I'm not too brain broken. I don't fucking remember this city in the slightest. I never, the name was never said, right? It was never said. So uh, you guys judge how big of a nerd I am. Sonic and Cream go from one portal to the next and Blaze has to jump off the moving cars in Monopole to get back to their portal. On the other side, now Blaze finds herself in the caverns under Red Mountain. Blaze thinks it might be safer to just go off to find the Topaz's resting place on her own. But she hears Cream's voice flying Sonic over a pool of lava and is quickly losing air. So Blaze thinks fast, leaps to get them right as the Topaz goes off and now they're in free fall over a forest. Everyone has to grab onto the Topaz. Sonic tells them, hold for a second. I think I'm getting the hang of this. If I can concentrate on a location, we can warp to the gorge from earlier. And right below them, a portal does open, but it's closing fast. Cream tries to lift the three of them to it. And with a boost from Blaze, they launch themselves through the portal just as it disappears. And now, on solid ground, they're all a little dizzy, but Blaze helps her up and thanks Cream for everything. But Cream says Blaze was really the one who saved us in the end. Oh well, we're all safe nonetheless, and Sonic thanks them for their help as well. Real progress was made. Blaze is like, well, what do you mean? Like, we're still in the same place. Well, I mean, look, see that railing over there? That's where I first met you guys. And now look where we are. Real progress. So... He decides to take off without saying goodbye, and Blaze feels just a little exasperated about how positive he can be in any given situation, but Cream says that's why adventures with him are so much fun. Okay, on to segment six. This next segment, done by Caleb Goldner and art by Abby Bulmer. We see Sonic running through a mountain valley, asking Tails where to next. The topaz feels like it's going to pop again. Well, the reading gets stronger the closer you get to the final location. There is a decommissioned Eggman mine up ahead if you want to mitigate damage the Topaz could give off. Sonic's like, eh, I don't know about old Eggman mines considering what happened at Echo Mine, you know, the the, the, the metal virus and all that. But Tails like, no, no, Eggman didn't hold on to this place for long. He didn't even bother carving his face into it. Turns out he's not interested in gold. Okay. I guess it's just because it's not like a conductive metal. Maybe that's it. I, I guess? They don't have money, but... I'm not going to get into this. Sonic runs into the cave. Comms are starting to get cut off underground. And here's a voice calling for him. Asking if they can tape the warp topaz off his hands to sell it to the highest bidder. Of course, the Babylon rogues. Sonic assuming they intercepted Tails' comms. He does warn them. Guys, look, this thing is highly unstable. Jet hands waves it away saying, we the Babylon rogues handle anything like that. Well, I can't argue with your balance, Sonic says. Your guys' speed, however... Eh. Sonic says as he jumps off Storm's head and spirals down the mine deeper into the earth. Storm's a little pissed, but just says, hey man, cool it. 
We scouted the place earlier, and Sonic is heading right into a dead end. And Sonic sees that with a cliff with no more room to run off of. But just below, Sonic hears a voice. Not if you know where to look, Blue. It turns out it's Rouge with Shadow at her side. These two we haven't seen for a minute, have we? No, but uh, this was probably written before the Shadow Mandates came to <laughs> because there's some shit here. We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to it. Sonic says, oh, so you guys here to help with the Topaz thing, right? Unless you're interested in the pay dirt around here. Rouge is like, look, that's just the golden icing on the crisis cake. Can't have the world end when there's so much treasure to enjoy. Right, Shadow? I cannot stand the thought of power in the hands of fools. All right, man. Whatever you say. Whatever you say. <sighs> right behind Sonic was the rogues. We came for the topaz, but ended up striking gold. Sonic is ready for a three-on-three fight, but Shadow says, Look, I've made my point about fools with power very clear, so I'm offering you two options. You can either entrust the topaz to my superior hands, or use my superior hands to take it by force. Loser. Loser. Oh, nerd, 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 nerd. Jesus. I thought we were past this. Nah, bro. I guess it, it has to come back with a vengeance one last time. Yeah, and speaking of vengeance, the Babylon rogues are very upset about being ignored. Sonic, though, uh, takes a third option and decides to leap up to the rock ceiling and just begins to burrow his way out, blocking his path out with a portal. The rogues are very surprised with this turn of events. Just saying the rock just might honestly be more trouble than it's worth. Okay, whatever. Let's just kick that ultimate life form wannabe out of here and let's just grab all the gold we can. And that, of course, Shadow takes personal offense too. And uh, I, honestly, this is actually kind of a good Shadow moment with him lording over Jet and takes the challenge. Let's see how long you birdheads can last against a wannabe ultimate life form. So they're scared shitless. Rouge is just kind of enjoying the show at this point. <laughs> She's just like, damn dog, that's crazy. <laughs> and Shadow does a concentrated chaos blast on the three of them, sending them flying right up the top of the mountain. Just outside, Sonic's back on the run. Gets the signal back to Tails. Yeah, I got to a Babylon Rogue-shaped roadblock, but I'm back on it now. Your reinforcements got that under control. Tails says he's sorry he couldn't explain that before the signal was lost. Rouge was easy enough to entice with gold. I just hope Shadow didn't try to start a fight. Sonic's like, eh, not really. But Shadow, though, reminded me of something very important. Sometimes you win the fight by avoiding it altogether. As we happen to see the Rogues dazed on top of the mountain, Shadow blasted their way through the top of it. That's the end of that segment, Shadow the Hedgehog. That's all I can say. Yeesh, man. I mean, I mean, all right. A, a fight with the rogues with Shadow. That's cool, I guess. Uh, that's cool, I guess. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's finish this off. Our final segment from Ian Flynn and Adam Bryce Thomas, finishing off where we started. This is starting to tingle something fierce, says Sonic. I need to get rid of this now. As conveniently... The warp topaz takes him to a cave. He falls off and spin dashes through for landing and said, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you did that on purpose. Sonic is contacted by Tails. Yeah, buddy, I'm still here, but that last one was a doozy. I think the next one might be game over. No, there, I'm detecting the same energy wavelength in the cave. You're where the warp topaz was found. You did it, you steered all its crazy warpings to the right place. I caught like half of that, but Tails sounded happy. Looks like I'm in the right spot. Ready to go home, you crazy paperweight? 
as the energy off of it sparks and uh, taps Sonic on the nose. All right, all right. Everybody is in such a mood today. (laughs) (laughs) Sonic in the cave is just rapidly inserting it to every hole he can see and nothing's working. That is until he finds one hole with the words greatness began here along with an Eggman logo carved into the rock. So Sonic is like, you know what, Starline? You crazy asshole. Thanks for once. And he slaps the topaz into its original spot And it reacts kind of violently, with the cave starting to collapse in on itself. Sonic has to run out of there as fast as he can, jumps up and out of the hole, making his way out just before the cave collapses in on itself. Tails gets reception again. I'm not detecting any more Topaz energy. You good, Sonic? Sonic's like, yeah. Ah, he's running, enjoying the nighttime wind. Oh, we're in the clear, partner. Send shoutouts to everyone who helped out today. Victory number 900 belongs to all of us. That's the end of our final segment. That's the end of the 900th Adventure Special. And man, we've got thoughts. So, you know, if you look at the special within a vacuum, it's cute. But like, if you really think about it, this is a filler story. That's a way to phrase it, a filler story, yeah. I... Don't think this was a very special adventure. Felt like an obligation that they filled. One that was unfortunate. I thought this was big wasted potential. No, I agree with you. And you calling it like an obligation they had to fulfill, that's kind of where I disagree because I have thoughts. For the record, I kind of had time to kill myself as I was putting these notes together. So I just kind of wrote my general thoughts down in my notepad until it just kind of turned into me going schizo mode with it all. So I'm going to try to just condense what I wrote here as like normal as I possibly can. So let let me comment on this. It's the 900th adventure special. It's supposed to celebrate Sonic the Hedgehog in comic book form. The number 900 came from game one shots, all of Fleetway, all of Archie, and then some. So let's talk about this idea of expectations, shall we? Considering that this is the first time that either Archie or even a further stretch, believe it or not, Fleetway was being acknowledged here, huge. And because of that, there were a lot of expectations. Some, like uh, like Nigel Kitching returning to write for the story, were met. But others, not so much. The general vibe that the community felt at the time was that this would be like some kind of big multiversal story. And in the end, what we got was, you know, IDW, Archie, and Fleetway people coming together to create a story. Which, for the record, I'm not trying to say that was a bad thing. It's not. What they did, considering everything, I think turned out great. And the fact that they were able to synergize very well together in the end, in some cases across multiple countries, very, very impressive. However, I do want to say, while the fandom is kind of known for having expectations to the moon, I kind of feel like, considering that this is acknowledging shit like Archie and Fleetway, a revival of those canons, in my opinion... I don't think was that far of a stretch considering what this was framed as ultimately. I'll go even a little bit further. I'm going to I'm going to be real with you guys here. I don't believe that this was plan A for this comic. Yeah, I I feel like they had something way more dense cooking and then Sega probably vetoed all of it and they were like fuck. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like what could it have been? We've talked about it before on the pre-shows on our Patreon. But look, if the idea of it being like a multiversal story with like the warp topaz and like we have stories that are set in the other comic canons worked on by the people who worked on them before. Like, for example, we could have had, you know, 
Ian doing a preboot Archie story. Ian writes a reboot Archie story. Nigel Kitching would obviously write a Fleetway story. I don't know, Daniel Barnes doing IDW, etc., etc., etc. But, you know, Sega, or maybe Sega, who knows? Maybe Sega actually was cool with it, considering everything. But legal came in and were just like, no, we can't really do that. You know, for reasons we've explained time and time and again with Archie, Fleetway actually has its own complications when it comes to legality. Because Fleetway as a company doesn't exist anymore. It was bought out and absorbed several times by several companies over the years. And now the rights to Fleetway's original comics are currently owned by Rebellion Developments, which is a video game studio. It's kind of a crazy story and one we'll have to go into way later on in the future. Oh my god, I am i don't know if I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, I think what's also really interesting about, like, I guess just this comic in general is like i mean i don't know like i don't think sega and archie would ever work get work together again no absolutely not absolutely not but like it just it just feels like at this point they really did have something more interesting cooking and it just didn't pan out like i don't know it just it feels very lackluster yeah, no, I get it. But like a little thing that I also mentioned is like the idea that I had as I was writing this is like, you know what? If it was like a multiversal story was like one concept that they were cooking, an actual insane reveal could imply that the warp topaz and maybe like as a stretch imply Dr. Starline came from an alternate universe. That would have been kind of hard. Not only would have been kind of hard. What if now we're just being real silly with it? What if it like could have been like a small teeny tiny revival of like an anti-universe and there is like a good version of Dr. Starline still out there in the world? Again, now we're just getting real silly with it. But hey, man, the door was kind of opened. I'm not going to lie. Like, I know I kind of sound a little ridiculous, but considering everything I, I don't know i don't think the expectations were unreasonable for once i agree you're gonna hype it up it's gotta live up to the hype it didn't live up to the hype it is what it is however from what i understand and i've heard like questionable sources on this and i've never been able to verify it myself but from what i understand nigel kitching does retain the rights for the original concepts and characters he created for fleetway including the metallics so hey i could have brought in the metallics could have done something with that yeah and you know obviously it goes without saying i am a little saddened that carl bowlers didn't contribute to the special but knowing what we know i understand i just kind of hope one day he can come to terms with it and give us a one last bow like nigel kitching did yeah i think that'd be really cool like i i, I want to double triple quadruple repeat this i am not trying to put this comic down for what it was for what it was it's fine as a 900th adventure special, eh. I want to emphasize there was a love felt by all the creators putting into it. It's just that, you know, we had different expectations. 900 comics is insane. And I'm saying this here. I'm going to put this out into the universe. Who knows who listens to this? Maybe in a few years. Maybe a thousandth adventure special is like down the line. Maybe that's doable. And maybe they can actually do their original ideal. And maybe make it a multiversal story. I'm just saying. Or even like if it's like the TMNT 30th anniversary special that IDW did. And have different stories set in their respective canons. And the reason why I'm bringing all this up now is because I don't think that, you know, IDW thinks this far ahead. But like if that's something anybody even has an inkling of an idea about. You guys gotta like get that under control. You guys have to like get legal on this and look into it now. Because that's gonna take years and years of like working around and figuring out. If Nigel Kitching actually does own the rights to Fleetway. At least to his original creations. That's not that hard. The real problem is gonna be Archie. 
And that's something that I know Ian has talked about before. In fact, even when we interviewed him way back when, he did say, like, a revival of those canons, both pre-boot and reboot, is still on the cards with IDW. It's still doable. It's just a matter of, like, is the will to do it there? Obviously, with the 900th, maybe it wasn't there. Maybe the will was there, and they just didn't have the time to pull through for it. I don't know. I'm just really giving ideas here right now. It's going to be a very long process, and the best time to do it is, like, now. Now, with all that being said, I'm going to be stupid unreasonable now. And if you really are planning to do a Thousandth Adventure special way down the line, here's something for you guys. Literally, the easiest thing to do was just be to bring the Freedom Fighters into IDW Sonic. And that literally is the easiest thing to do, because Sega just has to say yes to it. There's no legal complications. There are no issues. If they want to redesign, go ahead and do it. I don't care. Go for it. All Sega has to do is say yes. As the ghost of Ken Penders haunts yet another comic. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I, I would like that. But again, not our decision. Not our decision. Now, the stupidest thing would be like, instead of doing like a special, have like one shot special comics, which take place in like all the different canons and have like a full story set in those universes for example like have it go further by including the cartoon canons man i was really wilding out while i was writing this jesus christ basically i asked this because i know if they ever do an ova comic daniel barnes would break down david marriott's door demanding he write it and let's be real he'd cook with that yeah he would he would cook really hard and you know hey maybe we can rectify some things with like if we get a preboot archie special ignore the events of worlds collide we de-roboticize sally and finally get a conclusion to that storyline nope <laughs> I don't know, uh, <laughs> reboot Archie, uh, I don't know, something like Archie Metal Virus or something. Or actually, an idea that I popped into my head, like, literally just now, the psychotic thing to do would just be to, like, pretend as if Archie Sonic was still going on, and they just release an issue, like, in the middle of an arc. Would literally be the most, like, schizo <laughs> shit ever. I don't think I could handle it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny, though. And I don't know, cartoon ones could be like the lost episodes of respective shows. For Sonic Underground, just let Ian do the ending he wrote for Sonic Universe. Let him cook. He's earned it. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't really have a ton to say on this at this point. I, I just, they could have cooked and they didn't. Middle ground here could be that TMNT style special of like short stories set in the respective canons. And look, I say all this to say, was anything I just said reasonable? No. The IDW Freedom Fighters, that's probably the most reasonable thing I've said. I just like to imagine what it could have been like in a world where things are good and nice and fun. But we don't live in that world. <laughs> no, we live in a very confusing world with uh, legal complications and whatever's going on in Fleetway Sonic. We'll, we'll figure that out one day. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out one day. So... Thanks for listening to my schizo rant. That was the end of the comments we have today. Before we get into solicits, do you have some final words for the 900th Adventure Special? Mid. <laughs> uh, I'm putting up the Ryan Gosling image. She's mid, but I like her. <laughs> I mean, my, my my thoughts on all these comics is that I feel like they're... They, they didn't think. They didn't think with some of these ideas and choices, and I feel like they could have cooked a little harder. But again, we've discussed this in depth with all these issues. Yeah, a little bit of a miss, but hey, that's okay. Not everything's going to be a home run, folks. We got to have our, our vegetables before we have our dessert, I guess. Yep. So, let's get into our solicits. Well, 
Funnily enough, all the comics were released today as of this recording session, October 11th. IDW Sonic 65 was previously slated for this batch, but was pushed back to today. And the other release, we have a special, the IDW Sonic Halloween special. Trick or treat, it's Charmy B. It's a very chaotic Halloween as Vector and Espio take their little buddy out in search of some sweet rewards. Little do they know there's a monster stealing candy from all the kids. Fortunately, there's no mystery the Chaotix Detective Agency can't solve, especially when they got a little help from Sonic and Tails. Written by a new writer, Mark Bucard, and art by Jack Lawrence, of course released today, October 11th. That's what we'll be looking at next time on the IDW Sonic Rundown. Sometimes it's just like this, guys. Sometimes we hit a low. It's eh, okay. I mean, it's the, okay. the the thing is, is that like, it's not like a low, it's just sometimes you don't get great comics. That's okay. Not everything has to be a slam dunk. Yeah. And hey, look, we got a lot to talk about. We had some great content. We had some laughs. So hey, if you're listening out there, hit like and subscribe. Follow us on uh, our Twitter socials down below and subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sonicspeed. We have different tiers, all with a free seven-day trial if you want to just get a look what's behind the paywall. $2 a month, you get our bonus show along with getting all of our episodes early. $5 a month is that and our pre-show. $15 a month is all that and a video version of the podcast. So come on down, check us out. You won't be disappointed. We have over 100 pieces of bonus content released on our $5 tier. So come check us out. Wow, that's absolute insanity. Uh, it's a great deal, guys. Only 5 bucks, 100 pieces of content. So yeah, my shill's done. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time for more Sonic comics. Peace. Bye. He's got his songs names his I'll tell you that if that is Dr. Eggman With his evil empire and evil plans Eggman wants to conquer the world But the hedgehog won't let that go Whenever Sonic's anger explodes His enemies will meet the fury of his aggression and that will change anyone's perceptions about him What to see is what to get Just a guy to love adventures Yes, Sonic the Hedgehog And the rose skin have to fill up for him Is there a superhero but she's his self-proclaimed girlfriend? He cannot escape her, but he will always save her. Whenever something is up, some kind of danger. And the story goes on, it's always super fine.